welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm your host, Ryan Van Bibber. With me, as always, the great Stephen White. How you doing today, Stephen? I'm doing fantastic. How about you? Man, I it feels so good to have football underway <laughs> again. I can't even I can't even begin to tell you. Yeah, finally getting those first games out of the way and seeing guys perform. And it's so different from preseason. And, oh, and a lot of people don't don't really understand that. Like, it's such a different deal when you, you know you're going to play the whole game rather than just a couple of series. Yeah. And so um, just seeing some of these teams go out there and perform, you know, the Chiefs going in there and beating New England, <laughs> like I was, oh. I was saying it might last week. It, it was just – it was amazing. And then, of course, the downside of it, you, you saw some pretty bad football, too. Yeah. <laughs> yes, there was lots of bad football. I, I, You know what stood out to me is just how, I mean, how bad some of the offensive lines are right now. And I guess it's not just that it's not new, but it's just sort of like these are some teams where, you know, like Seattle, for instance. It's like, well, that's a team you kind of expected to be a contender this season, but that offensive line was anything but a contender's offensive line that you saw against the Packers. And just, you know, some of those bigger name teams like that. It's like, damn. Uh, Brian Baldinger uh, posted a clip yesterday uh-huh. showing where uh, the the Seahawks were lined up against the Packers last weekend. Mm-hmm. And the left guard and left tackle – might as well not have even been there. Oh, like geez. they were beat so fast that Russell Wilson, he, I think he he was in a shotgun, and I think he took like maybe a three or five step drop. Uh-huh. But literally, all he had time to do on his back step was throw the football, and then he had to pirouette to try to avoid getting hit. That's how quick they were on him, even though it was, he was in shotgun and it's a five step drop. Yeah, I mean it's supposed to take a while to get there. Especially if you're getting blocked, and and the amazing thing is he actually completed that pass. Yeah, but but I mean, just imagine if a guy like Russell Wilson was in Dak uh, Dak Prescott situation. Imagine Russell Wilson behind the Dallas Cowboys offensive line. He wouldn't know what to do with himself <laughs> having that much fun. And he it's can... just amazing that they they put this money into Russell Wilson, but they won't put any money into actually protecting their investment. No. And like, like George Fant, who we talked about a little bit last year, just out of sheer shock, because he was the guy that literally the starting left tackle hadn't played, hadn't played a snap on the offensive line since I think it was high, maybe middle school even. I don't remember, but middle school or high school, but not on I the college it was like, level. Uh, little league football. <laughs> oh, shit, it might he was have been. like a basketball player. <laughs> you know, he was like a basketball player, and and, and he hadn't played football. <laughs> I mean, how crazy is that? You're protecting your franchise quarterback with a basketball player. And he's hurt. He didn't even, like, he's not even out there. It's like, they don't even have, they're not very good starting left tackle out there. Right. They, they, tried to, they tried to sell us that he'd be better in his second year. And then all of a sudden, he goes out there and gets hurt. And you're like, okay, your starting left tackle was a basketball player that didn't play football. Who could possibly be the backup, you know? <laughs> And it turns out, yes, he's even worse. It's it's so crazy. And then you look at the Texans. I mean, my goodness. And look, uh, the the, the Jaguars have an outstanding defensive line. Don't get me wrong about that. But that offensive line, I mean, a defensive line, that that offensive line for the Texans was just terrible. Terrible. Every last one of them. And, you know, during the game, we're all kind of talking about Dwayne Brown because he's in whether you want to call it a, a holdout or if he's you know he says he's want to play he wants to play this year, and so everybody's kind of like oh well, his you know his agent ought to be shouldn't even take the Texans call right now you know just drive the price up or whatever, <laughs> but when you look at the film man it's so much deeper than just the left tackle they, they that offense line is going to be bad this whole uh, uh, season even if they get Dwayne Brown to come back in. And, look, he's not going to come back in and set the world on fire. He hasn't practiced football and Lord knows when. So, I mean, they're going to go with Deshaun Watson this week. 
uh, tonight, as a matter of fact, against the Bengals. And look, it's his birthday. Mm. I don't really know if that's the kind of celebration you want on your birthday is to be behind that offensive line against the Cincinnati Bengals defensive line with, with <laughs> Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap and those guys getting after you. I, I just I, I don't that don't really seem like a party to me. Well, and like the reverse might be true as well because like Cincinnati was noticeably missing uh, Andrew Whitworth who went to Los Angeles and you could I mean talk about that like Peyton Manning MVP effect where like he's out of the league one season and all of a sudden you see what a difference it makes but like it's you know Whitworth's presence on the line golf was barely harassed at all with Whit- I mean, Whitworth didn't allow a single pressure and then the, the Bengals offensive line was just terrible too without Whitworth and like now they got to face J.J. Watt and J.W. <laughs> Clowny in that crowd, so it's just like shit. This could be a this could be sack fest tonight. Yeah, it, it it and again, last Thursday night we had Chiefs Patriots. It, it and it kind of you know gives you that false sense of security that oh we got a good Thursday night football game. I kind of figured tonight's gonna regress back to the mean of shitty uh, Thursday night football games that we're used to seeing because and and Andy Dalton is a guy that is hot or cold. We, we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. He's really not a, a, a gray area guy. Either he's going to be really good and the Bengals will win or he'll be really terrible and they're going to lose. Yeah. They can't really win when he doesn't play well. So since he played like shit last week, I figure he's going to bounce back and have a really good game tonight. But it's hard to see how. He's going to be running for his life. J.J. Watt, did he look like the same J.J. Watt last, last week as we're used to, the, the the defensive MVP guy? Yeah. Maybe not, but he still did some good things. He still uh, won some pass rushes. To, to his credit, Blake Bortles is actually a pretty mobile quarterback, and he was running his ass off to get away from the rush from Clowney and all those guys. And I, and I thought maybe – the Texans got a little too cute at times with their pass rush. Didn't really rush Whitney Merciless on the edge quite as bit. But I figure they're going to fix that this week. They're mm-hmm. coming after Andy Dalton. They, they saw those four interceptions and how poorly he played, and they want to make sure that he doesn't bounce back against them. And we already talked about how shitty the, the Texans offensive line is. So don't be surprised if you know it's, this is a, a, a team's – scoring game a, a team that gets to you know 17 points might win tonight mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's kind of back to thursday night the the old thursday night football you're used to seeing i hey, exactly I, yeah, I I mean, to, we, go ahead man i was just saying we definitely not going to get another chiefs uh <laughs> patriots tonight that's for sure no no I did. I wanted to go back to that Chiefs Patriots game because I mean, it kind of like that was like that was a really good game. It was kind of a that was sort of a, a weird thing in the schedule. It's like the NFL probably didn't want to have the best game of the week on Thursday and then the the rest of the week kind of be so so. But uh, um, I, I think it's hard not to like what you saw from the Chiefs in that game. I mean, I think the bigger story here to me has been not that the Patriots, I mean, obviously everyone likes it when the Patriots lose and, and who can blame them? I understand that. And, but the, the bigger story to me was that like, no, this, this is a chiefs team that could be pretty good. And like, they kind of lived up to the expectation. Now the Eric Berry thing obviously complicates things because like they had a weak spot in their secondary already at the other cornerback position where Marcus Peters wasn't playing. But now you take Eric Berry out of the mix, and suddenly that's a little bit of an issue that they could they could have to deal with. But like, I mean, it's kind of exciting. Like I those they, like they went out there and ran an old school high school offense, just about. Well, the Chiefs' offense is one one of those that I will point out when people would be talking about cap and oh well, uh, you know nobody runs the yeah. kind of offensive scheme that he would be good in. I didn't really feel like people were taking notice of the kind of things that the Chiefs have been doing for several years now. Yeah. Uh, they they have Alex Smith running some of the uh, uh, spread and, and, and uh, read option stuff in the run game. They they do a lot of 
tricky stuff with they just didn't have a whole lot of talent to do it but they were doing those speed sweeps and reverses and all that kind of stuff before yeah um it's just now they have better players doing it and so it looks better of course uh and when you got Tariq Hill on your team it it, is going to make any offense that has gadgets like that look better anyway yeah because you always have to respect him and so when you see him coming around on a reverse fake well guys are going to pay attention to that and that's going to open it up for the dive that when they actually hand the ball off. So um, I, I was very impressed with uh, the way they ran that offense last week. Alex Smith had a huge game. Uh, the, the interesting thing about Alex Smith is you look and say, well, he finally started pushing the ball down the field last week. The truth of the matter is you look at the all 22 and there were still deep passes that he didn't throw that he could have mm-hmm. or should have. But at the same time, you have to appreciate the fact that he's not really turning over the football either. And I've said this before. You have to you have to factor that in. Mm-hmm. The fact that he does such a good job of taking care of the football, it, 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 it kind of goes unnoticed because people want him to, to be chunking it down the field all the time. But with a, with a defense as good as they have, it's mm-hmm. okay sometimes to take a sack. It's okay sometimes to throw the football away. And live to fight another day. Yeah, but he played as about as well as I've ever seen Alex Smith play. And 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 if you go back the last couple of years, uh, in week one he's had big games. He had one one week he threw uh, one week one game he threw for three touchdowns. The other one uh, he threw for over three hundred yards, just like he did last Thursday night. Now those tend to be the best games of his season. Yeah. So I'm not sure he's going to be able to duplicate that. If, if history is any judge, but he's got plenty of talent around him. Now that young kid, Kareem Hunt set the world on. Oh time. man. Yeah. He was all over the place. Uh, and, and after such an inauspicious start, you know, you go out there first carry, they, I guess evidently he never fumbled in college or something like that. Yeah. He goes out there first carry of the game and he fumbles the football and then he bounces back and has this huge game. And so, um, I think, Chiefs fans have a lot to be excited about, but as you pointed out, it's going to be hard, 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 really impossible to replace Eric Berry. Yeah. And then you got the other kid, Terrence Mitchell, who the Patriots were, were picking on all night. Yeah. If you go against a, a team with a good passing offense, man, you know they might be in a little bit of trouble. But overall, that team looked damn good last week. Yeah. Yeah, and you know the thing with Barry is, and it, it didn't get a lot of talk, obviously, because his injury was such a downer for everybody, and that kind of overshadowed it. But like, he took Gronk out of that game. I mean, they had him on Gronk a lot throughout the night, and really, Gronk was kind of a non-factor. Absolutely, and and, and it's not that he necessarily blanketed him, but he made it so that any catch Gronk made that night, it would have had to have been a touch tough catch yeah and, and and that's what you need and that's what you want against a guy like grunt uh even though eric berry was giving up several inches and and, and a whole maybe a hundred pounds almost <laughs> he still more than held his own and he made a hell of a lot of stops in the run game too. yeah i remember that one like it was a third or fourth it might have been a fourth and one and he goes in there and blasts yeah. mike gillisley it, it looked like the hole was wide open and he just jumps in there and knocks the living shit out of him and stops him on third and one. And so to have a guy that can line up on a grunk and, and and limit him in his production and then go in the run game and knock people out too, that's just a combination that is very rare. Yeah. And oh, yeah. not some you're not gonna find somebody walking around on the street who can do that kind of stuff and probably won't find anybody on your bench either. So you're gonna have to kind of account for that. Uh, and, 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 and again, maybe it wouldn't be such a big deal, but then you got the other kid 39 who was getting torched all night too. Yeah. Now you got to worry about two different positions in the secondary. That's usually not a good thing. <laughs> no, it's really not. Especially, you know, some of the teams that the chiefs are slated to play. I mean, they play the Eagles this week. I mean, it's at home in Kansas city. So that probably gives them a little bit of an advantage, but like, that's, you know, that's not going to be, that's not an easy team to play by any means. I mean, Carson Wentz, and I know he, for whatever reasons, is a polarizing guy. There's yeah. people, it, again, there, there's no middle ground with, with Wentz. Usually people think he's really, really good, or some people think he's terrible. 
I, I'm, I just think that it, it goes by game by game. He has some really good games. He has some games that he probably wishes he didn't play as poorly. But last week was kind of peak Carson Wentz. This guy can avoid the rush. A la, it, it really reminds you of Brett Favre a little bit. Yeah. The way he's able to shake off tacklers and move around and then go ahead and, and throw one down the field and he gets the touchdown on a broken play last week to uh Nelson Aguilar and 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 that's the kind of guy he is he he maybe he won't just be that pocket quarterback that is you know has a high complete completion percentage and all that stuff but on those broken plays he can make something happen and when you got a team like the Chiefs he's gonna have to run around because yeah. they're gonna get after him with that pass rush, I think they figured out at halftime last week when they in the first half they were trying to go with a three-man rush a lot against Tom Brady, which is probably the dumbest thing you can do in the world <laughs> to him because he's going to find somebody. You give him enough time, he's going to find somebody that's open. Yeah. That, that's just how it goes. And then they, they unleashed Justin Houston in the second half, and it was a totally different story. So Carson Wentz is going to have to uh, move around the pocket and stuff this week, but if they don't get him on the ground, he's a bigger kid than you think. Yeah. You know, he chased off a lot of tackles. If they don't get him on the ground, he's going to have an opportunity to push the ball down the field. And you know they got Alshon Jeffrey. He, he didn't really have a huge game last week, but he's always kind of lurking in the background. They've got Al Galore. They got plenty of talent at the skill position, Ertz. Yeah. So they have got to find a way to get him on the ground. They have got to find a way to keep him inside the pocket because if they don't, he can make them pay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm looking forward to that game. I think that'll be. I think that will be a good one this week. How? So I'm gonna go back to the Patriots. I mean, I I'm not like I'm not a Patriots fan. Obviously, I don't carry any water for the Patriots. But I like I you do like. Is it like? I mean, I guess if I were a Patriots fan, I wouldn't be overly panicked just yet. Well, but, I, I I mean, if I was a Patriots fan that had access to Game Pass, I might be a little nervous right now. Really? Uh, yeah, because and I said this right after the game, even before I saw uh, the All Twenty Two. They have some personnel issues. Really? And so, if it, it, it's one thing, if it's a scheme thing, uh-huh. you, somebody just beat you, on they schemed you up real good or something like that, but. Uh, especially on their defensive front, they don't really have a guy who can rush off the edge uh, and, and get them consistent pressure. Yeah, probably the, the the guy who did it the best was Trey Flowers, but then he's also your best interior rusher. So it's like you got to put him somewhere. Yeah, and then wherever you put him, wherever he's not, now you're weak there. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, th- they got um, Cassius Marsh, and he looked okay out there. He at least gives you a whole lot of effort uh, rushing off the edge, but they don't really have edge rush. Uh, last week, at least, Allen Branch looked old. He looked bad. Uh, I think he might have made like one tackle. But they were knocking the shit out of him. Like it, it was, it was one of those times where I'm watching film and I'm just like, "Whoa, uh, yeah. that ain't supposed to happen." And they were just mashing the shit out of him. And so it, it, it they don't have. You look on that roster; it ain't like you're going to put somebody in for him. Mm-hmm. There ain't nobody they got they can just throw out there the outside linebacker. And and everybody was talking about, well, maybe it was because uh, Dante Hightower got hurt. Well, he wasn't playing that great either. Yeah. Just to be honest with you, uh, they had him out there on the edge too. Shit, he wasn't getting any pressure, and, and he wasn't really making a whole lot of plays in the run game either. Yeah. So, I, I mean, what are you gonna do about that? Mm-hmm. Now, we we just kind of we've learned to kind of trust Bill Belichick that he can make lemonade out of lemons, but I just don't know. He might not have enough sugar this time. <laughs> yeah they might not i mean it's really it, it's it's not a it's not a headliner group up front they've got there and what i guess shay mcclellan's hurt too so it's not like you've got i mean you've got 
injuries that complicate it. I was really surprised to see him. I mean, I, I guess it didn't work out, but like to let Coney Ely go after trading for him in the off season. Yeah, he's starting for the Jets now. He he looked at least okay. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, Coney Ely isn't. Uh, he's kind of stiff. I put it that way. So yeah. having him an outside linebacker maybe isn't the best fit anyway. Yeah. But. I don't see anybody who's remarkably better than him that's still on the Patriots roster, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and and then you go to the offense. We haven't even talked about the offensive side of the ball where you already uh, were down Edelman, and I think Amendola might have had a concussion. And so, look, Philip Dorsett just got there. They just traded for him, and he's probably going to have to have a significant role this weekend. Yeah. We have to because they didn't have that outlet and that hurt Brady. And, like, you know, with Brady, I mean, he's 40. And, like, you can eat all the broccoli and kale and avocados in the world. But, you know, sometimes being 40 is just being 40. And it's hard to be a quarterback (laughs) at 40 in the NFL. Listen, I'm about to be 44 next month. I can't even imagine. (laughs) (laughs) I can't even. Like you said, sometimes – Yes, it's just 40, okay? <laughs> so it, all that don't even matter. It don't even matter, especially when you don't have your, your, your guy who you used to have an Edelman uh-huh. around your, your security blanket. And then you don't even have the second, probably the second guy you're most comfortable with in Amendola either. You got two newcomers, and Chris Holt, you got Brandon Cooks, you got Philip Dorsett, and then you got the holdover from last year. Chris Hogan, but even Chris Hogan was just last year was his first year with with the Patriots. So yeah. y- you do still have Gronk, and and, and what they say uh, on their first Avengers movie when it's like, well, we have an army, well, we have a Hulk, well, we have a Gronk. Yeah. Okay. So normally, most teams don't have an Eric Berry who can shut Gronk down like that. Mm-hmm. So that's the saving grace here, and then they got so many running backs that ain't no telling who's going to be in the game at any given time. <laughs> but you need somebody at the wide receiver position to step up. They do have talent, but but they just don't have the chemistry yet with Brady. Yeah. And so you just wonder how quickly they can get that because they're going to have to. It doesn't matter. You can't just live off of Grunk and run the football. You can't. Yeah, no, and, and and it's amazing, too, how much you, you know, people don't think about it a lot, but, like, it's how much of that offense has been kind of cued around that Edelman role. I mean, before Edelman, it was the, oh, crap, I can't remember. Wes Welker. Yes, Welker. It was that role. I mean, that was sort of that. It's that quick outlet guy that Brady always had. You know, the guy that's always in the right place, and Brady can always get the ball to him if the other play's not there or whatever. But just, like, how – it's it's a little reminiscent of and it's a different role and different situation, but it just kind of that that chemistry piece of when Nelson Jordy Nelson was out and Aaron Rodgers in in the Packers offense just looked so confused from week to week. Absolutely, that is a perfect analogy. Just because those guys, it's not necessarily a blind throw, but you just when Brady steps back to throw and he's scanning the field, if all else fails. He just knows where Edelman's going to be, and he can get ready to throw that football to him. Yeah. Now, and that's we've seen receivers come to the Patriots and not figure out how to develop their chemistry with him, and it just never worked. You look at a guy like um, uh, Ocho Cinco. He goes there, and he's still a real good wide receiver, runs real good rounds, yeah. but he didn't have a feel for – where the Patriots wanted him to be on any given play. Yeah. And so they never developed their chemistry and it just didn't work out. Yeah. And that happens quite a bit. But when they do get it, when he does have a guy like Welker and then after Welker, Edelman, it, they make magic together. Yeah. And so you look at a guy like Brandon Cooks, he's got all the ability in the world. So if they do develop their chemistry, he, he can definitely have the same kind of impact, if not more so, because he's a legit deep threat as well. Mm-hmm. But, but you got to get it there first. Yeah. You, you, you have you have to be on the same page for uh, first because that's the way their offense is set up or it's never going to work. Yeah. Let's take a break and pay some bills. What you might not know, I sure didn't, is that the Dollar Shave Club also has uh, products like body wash and shampoo and hair gel. For those of you still lucky enough to have hair, lip balm, all that stuff. 
And as soon as I heard Dollar Shave Club had that, you know, I was pretty pleased because I never know what to buy at the store. There's a lot to choose from. Even for men's products, there's a lot to choose from. And it's it's impossible to sort of discern that. So if you're like me, I, I was really pleased that that Dollar Shave Club had it because I know the quality I'm getting. I know that I'm getting it at a very reasonable price. And I know that I'm getting it in the mail without the hassle of going to the pharmacy or the department store or anything like that. And right now, for friends of the Onside Kick Family Hour, that's you. You can get a really good deal on this stuff. I mean, they're pretty much giving it away. So for $5, you'll get a starter set with the executive razor and trial-sized versions of the three most popular products that they sell. Uh, But yeah, so you should sign up for that. It's a good deal. I I would really encourage you to try it. Um, And right now, you can get this special offer if you go to Dollar Shave Club dollarshaveclub.com slash onsidekick. $5 starter set, all those things. dollarshaveclub.com on slash onsidekick. Sign up, get the stuff, you'll be hooked. I can't recommend it enough. I'm a little worried after week, I know it's just week one, I don't want to overreact, but uh, I may, like, finally, after, what, seven years now, have to eat a big Thanksgiving dinner of crow if uh, if Sam Bradford keeps playing the way he played this week. Now, I'll have to throw out the caveat that that Saints defense is trash. But, I mean, trash or not, trash defense or not, that was some pretty good ball from the Vikings this week. Well, you look at it, I always look at it like this. Regardless of opponent, you look at the throws themselves. Yeah. He made some good throws this weekend. Yeah. Now, the difference could be that he might make the same throws but the other guys are being better positioned because they're just better defensively. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, look, it, it's, it's no different from this. Drew Brees didn't look that great either last week going against the the uh, the Vikings defense, right? Mm-hmm. But had B- Drew Brees been playing his own defense, he probably would have threw for 600 yards. <laughs> yeah. So it, you have to fa- you still have to factor that in. I, I think that uh, I don't really take anything away from Bradford. He did make some really nice throws, but at the same time, it's a difference. We yeah. know that the Saints aren't good on defense. They haven't been good on defense in years, and they've had a bunch of guys hurt this year. Uh, 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 Nick Fairley has the heart problem, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And so just kind of unforeseen stuff. Uh, Stephon Anthony, their, their starting linebacker, didn't play last week. So uh, – it's the Saints defense. Show me that against a little bit better defense, and then I'll be sold. But for right now, I'm still like, mm, we'll yeah. see. The one thing that we can say is the offensive line played better. Yeah. Right? They legitimately had to block a guy like uh, 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 Cameron Jordan, which they did. They didn't necessarily do, <laughs> do a great job of it, but at least he didn't wreck the whole game plan like, a good pass rusher would have done last year. Yeah. So they at least weren't getting Sam Bradford killed all game. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to re- withhold judgment <laughs> on this whole thing until I see them against the defense that I actually respect because yeah. I don't respect the Saints defense at all. No. And now I tell you, I, the, the Vikings are one of those teams too. Like it's a, uh, they, they got to do a little more to show me here is that uh, it's a, uh, I went into the season last year pretty high on the Vikings too, so <laughs> and we know how that turned out. So we'll see. But it's a tougher matchup this week. It's a road game at Pittsburgh, which you know not going to be easy. It certainly won't be easy. And you look, it's going to be uh, Le'Veon Bell second game back. He's uh, he didn't look bad last week, but you could tell it's a little rusty here and yeah. there. Um, Martavis Bryant is a guy that, that I thought would have a big game who didn't. He's probably still working on the chemistry with with Big Ben again and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And but their defense, on the other hand, looked pretty good. Now it was the Cleveland Browns again. Got to put an asterisk or a caveat in there. <laughs> it's the Cleveland Browns, yeah. right? So, and they're playing a rookie quarterback in Kaiser, and he's taking some sacks that he doesn't need to take, and he's missing some guys wide open down the field that he, he a better quarterback would see. Yeah. So, uh, you know, are the Steelers better on defense? Can we trust that defense now? That remains to be seen as well. 
this would be a good test for both teams, I think. Mm-hmm. I think this will kind of tell you a lot about both of these teams because they both look good in the things that we were skeptical of, of them in the first week. We were skeptical of the Vikings offense. Had they fixed the offensive line issues, stuff of that nature, you know, can Bradford light it up when he needs to? Mm-hmm. We were skeptical of the Steelers defense, pass rush, stuff of that nature. How would Joe Hayden fit in his first game? And they both look good against inferior competition in week one. Now they get to go against each other, and we get a little bit better test of, are these teams for real, Mm -hmm. or are they a little bit of a pretender? Yeah, for sure. And I I always, I hate to make sweeping generalizations, but man, the Steelers, it's been several years consistently now that they have a problem with sort of the easier road games too. And like the Browns, like that's a soft landing for the first week of the season, especially when you're just getting Le'Veon Bell back and everything is, to, is to go in and play against the Browns in Cleveland. But they've always, it seems it feels like they always have a tendency to just blow some head scratchers in road games, you know, with Pittsburgh over the last few years. So they'll be tougher at home no matter what. So I think it'll be interesting. Like you say, it'll be interesting to get a better sense of who these teams really are this week. I mean, to put it in perspective, the the Steelers score uh, off a block punt on the first punt of the game for the Browns, right? Yeah. They score a touchdown. Well, I think they only won by three. Yeah. So... However you think about the Steelers, it's not like they went out there and just beat the hell out of the Browns. No. So and, and and again, the Browns are improved, but they certainly aren't playoff level team right now no. either. So how good are the Steelers? Will they be able to iron the kinks out? Will home field be enough for them to get back on track? We'll see this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, man, I tell you, a team that did the results were not surprising, if maybe they were still surprising just because it was so ugly, is the Colts without Andrew Luck. Holy crap. That's going to be a bad team. And there's still no indication of when Luck might be able to come back to the field. And they need him. They need yeah. him in the worst way possible. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> because he was the guy that allowed you to have a defense that wasn't that good and still be competitive. Yeah. Uh, that defense, I think, maybe is, is okay. Uh, they, they're missing some people right now. Yeah. Out they didn't injury. have Vontae Davis. Vontae Davis. Right. But at the same time, they still need quite a bit of help. Yeah. And Scott Tozine is like the opposite of that. He's pretty <laughs> much... <laughs> The anti-help. Yeah. <laughs> He's the guy that gets you beat. I mean, here's a guy that throws two pick sixes. Two. And almost threw a third one before they finally just said, fuck it, why don't we just put in the other guy we just got, Jacoby Brissett. I mean, yeah. Brissett's been there a week. But three. he almost he literally almost threw three pick sixes in the same game. Which would have tied a record. <laughs> I mean, and, and evidently somebody tweeted me, that in college, his big thing was not throwing interceptions. So I, I don't know where he went wrong along <laughs> the way. But, man, I mean, you cannot – people always talk about winning the turnover battle. That's one thing. I would love to see the record of a team winning a game after they threw two pick sixes. I bet you <laughs> it's very, very low, right, the winning percentage. And so you you can't win like that. You cannot win like that. And, and these weren't – Tip passes just just happen to go into somebody. He's throwing the ball right to Rams defenders. Yeah, like he, he, here's a gimme. And so, if you're a Colts <laughs> fan, it's hard to find anything encouraging about that. And then the Colts are so stupid as an organization. You saw Scott Tozine last week. You know what he can do. Jacoby yeah. Brissett at least came in and moved the ball a little bit. I think he might have thrown an interception too at the end, but. I mean, it's desperation time at that point. But he at least can avoid the rush. He made one throw like 60 yards in the air. Yeah. The ball was. 
And so he's showing you way more than Scantozine. He just got there, and these dumbasses got them splitting first-team reps. Yeah. You got a guy that just got there. He's trying to learn the playbook, trying to get ready to play, and you don't give him all the first-team reps? What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. I mean, there really, honestly, there may not be a more poorly run organization from top to bottom, from the coach to the owner, than the Colts. I mean, you go back to the, the shit with luck in the off season back in August. And it's just like, you know, that weird comment Ursay made, and maybe he was just, you know, it just turned into babble because he was trying to say something nice and, and that's possible. But just like that whole thing about like luck's problems being on the quote unquote four inch field between his ears and stuff like that. It's like, Oh man. And then you had that rumor yesterday and it turns out, I mean, by all accounts, it's just a rumor. It kind of came out on Mike and Mike, I guess. I was reading on our Colts blog about it today that, you know, Luck wanted to be was frustrated and unhappy in Indianapolis and wanted to be traded. And then his agent came out and said, no, that's not the case. It's absolutely false. But it's like, if you don't want to be traded from the Colts, what's wrong with you? Right. I mean, I, and look, it's not likely that they would ever trade him no, or that a team no. would would be able to fit him necessarily into their salary cap. But if it could happen, why wouldn't the hell you want to get the hell up out of there? I mean, yeah. you, you really haven't won anything. The organization organization shows no signs of getting any better. Uh-uh. You're losing your prime years of your career. Wh- wh- where is this loyalty coming from? Yeah. So, I mean, because I can promise you, if he keeps getting hurt the way he is... They won't show that same amount of loyalty in a year or two. No, they'll be not trying to dump his ass at that point when when he's at his lowest as far as his his uh market. So uh, why would you turn around and give them more credit or, or, or more loyalty than I promise you than they would do to you in the same situation? Yeah, I, I don't get that at all. Now maybe that doesn't mean that you actually went and and asked for a trade. But, uh, shit, why would you want to be there? Why, in the midst of all this, you got an owner, and, 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 and uh, Stephen Holder is a coach beat writer who used to be a, a Bucks mm-hmm. beat writer. And, and so I follow him on Twitter, and he was basically going through and saying that what really happened here is the head coach, the trainers, all of them, no, none of them ever gave a timetable for luck to be back. Yeah. The owner did. So the owner came, comes out and gives this timetable, and then now it looks like you're behind schedule or someone. Really, nobody ever gave that kind of timetable to people that actually knew what was going on. And so now you got people mad at you like, oh, why isn't he out there? Or, or did he have a setback? Or this, that, and the fourth. All because you're playing for a shitty-ass owner. So <laughs> if, you, if you're Andrew Luck, I don't know why you would be happy to be in Indianapolis at this point because it, they haven't shown anything like the kind of commitment you will want from an organization where you're the franchise player. And really, look, Russell Russell Wilson, you know, I kind of question why he would still want to be in Seattle if they ain't never going to give him any offensive linemen. Well, shit, look, look <laughs> yeah. at the coast offensive line. Okay? So uh, just at least with, with Russell Wilson, he has a defense to help him win games, and they've already won the Super Bowl. What have the Colts won? What is it about the Colts if you're Andrew Luck, that will make you want to stay there. I don't yeah. get that. I, it, it's amazing. And just like, and how far away they, I mean, you know, they keep Ryan Grigson, the general manager for five years and like for no discernible reason. I mean, and, and now it's like, they got to start over from square one with a quarterback whose career is kind of in, I think it's legitimate to question his career at this point, given the injury history and where he's at. But like, you know, he's 28 years old, should be in the prime of, like you said, should be in the prime of his career. And just like you're in a worse situation than the Browns are. I mean, that's just that. I mean, if I'm a Colts fan, I'd be mad, mad as hell. But and what? But what can you do? What can you do? I don't even know who they play this week, but I mean, it, it can't be. I, I, I don't know who they play this week, but if you're in a pick'em league, I'd probably pick whoever the Colts are playing to win. So Arizona, so I don't know, maybe not. But I uh, know Bruce Arians <laughs> ought to be fine when they get there. But just like, jeez, man. 
Well, you look at it like this. They, uh, the Cardinals have an outstanding defense and an outstanding secondary. If the Colts rolls Tozine out there again, they might get three or four pick sixes. They might break it. It might be. Record. It might Cause be. Because I promise you, if he throw it anywhere near Patrick Peterson, it's going back to the house. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Let me ask you. You broke down Calais Campbell for Haas of the Week this week. And obviously, I mean, just four sacks on a Jacksonville defense that had 10 sacks on the day, which a lot of that, you know, part of that obviously comes from the Texans just being just such a terrible, terrible situation to start that, to start their season. But they get the Titans this week. Now that should be a little tougher. I would think you think the you think the Jags defense, uh, you think the Jags defense can kind of keep, keep up the, keep up the good work here or? Oh, they'll play well, but they won't. They won't get anywhere near the same amount of sacks. It, it's just like most of those sacks came in the first half when you have Tom Savage, the statue, standing yeah. back there, who can't get away from the rush. Yeah. You put the young kid in, Deshaun Watson, and he was in a lot of the same situations that uh, Savage found himself in. But he was able to take off running or avoid the rush. He was doing some little things that I, I think people kind of missed, shifting over in the pocket a little bit just to get the throw off. Yeah. He had a real good feel for the pressure. Now, he still did get sacked a little bit because the offensive line was just that bad. But you're talking about the Titans who have one of the best offensive lines in the whole NFL. And then you're talking about Marcus Mariota, who's similarly, if not better, uh, at being mobile than Deshaun Watson. So you would think that, no, it wouldn't be the same type of party. They're going to still get after you now because – it wasn't just because the offensive line was bad. Calais Campbell played his ass off. Yeah. Uh, Malik Jackson played his ass off. Uh, uh, Yannick, uh, I can't pronounce his name, 91, In played Goop- his ass off. Yeah. So uh, those guys got after it. Now, uh, <laughs> what, what's the guy? Dex, uh, F- uh, Fowler? Dante Fowler? Yeah, Dante Fowler. Yeah, Dante Fowler still doesn't have any pass rush moves. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's just bull rushing people, and it, it's it's amazing. It's, it's frustrating to me to see a guy who's that athletic yeah. and has that much potential who evidently never works on his craft. Cause you, you gotta be shitting me that in your third year, you still haven't, you're fast, you're quick off the ball and you still haven't developed a, a consistent speed rush. All you're doing is running down the middle of people. Yeah. So, I mean, he's somewhat of a liability, uh, smooth number 94 for them may well end up, being a guy who overtakes him eventually as in the pass rush package, he doesn't even start, you know, Calais Campbell starts opposite of, of, of 91. So uh, that, that defensive line can get after you though. And, and when no 94 is in there, he, he gives you a lot too. Yeah. So they're going to still get after, but nothing like what happened in the first half against the Texans. I mean, that, that's just <laughs> like, if you're a defensive lineman, it's like somebody just put some some barbecue chicken back there. I keep saying it. You, you see Tom Savage back there behind this offensive line? Shit. I'm in a sprinter stance every play. If they happen to run the football, oops, my bad. But I promise you, if they, they drop back the pass, I'm coming out to his ass because he can't go nowhere. He's just no. standing in quicksand. So, I mean, it, it, you couldn't get any better than that as a defense alignment, but it's going to be a totally different situation this weekend. Somebody was sending around a GIF on Twitter. I saw it today. So I, and I, I didn't see the date on it. I just saw it today, but like it showed Savage in like a, a drop back, a three, three or five step drop. I don't remember which one it was, but like, I mean, I thought no, it was in slow was motion. This was Sunday. Okay. I thought he was in slow motion and it's not, it's not in slow motion. He just literally, his drop back was that slow. Right, I think uh, now, in fairness, I think that he was gonna just catch the ball and throw it, oh, and then okay. the guy he was gonna throw the football to wasn't open. So, but still, you just—it's one of those things where uh, it's the difference between practice and a game. Yeah, because in a game you can kind of get lazy with your—I mean, in the, in the practice you can kind of get lazy with your footwork because there's no pressure coming. You doing seven on seven, for instance. There's no rush coming. Yeah. So you can just take a couple steps back and then throw the football. This dude had such a lack of awareness that even though they was getting after him all game, he he it's a three-step drop and he's almost getting hit again because he literally instead of <laughs> dropping like instead of, you know, moving with some tempo, he basically just 
I don't, I don't even know how you describe that. Like this was that was slower than a walking pace. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh yeah. He didn't say he was walking back there. I mean, he might as well have been trying to moonwalk back there. <laughs> it was so damn slow. And so on a three-step drop, you're almost getting hit because you're so slow because because you're not used to being in the game. Yeah. You're not used to okay. I gotta do everything right every single time or I'm gonna get blasted. And, and give Deshaun Watson credit, man. Whether he got hit, sacked, or whatever, he was getting he was getting into his drop and trying to get the football out of his hands. Sometimes yeah. guys were 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 covered. And 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 look, let's not absolve uh, Bill O'Brien on this. His play calling was atrocious. He didn't give Savage a chance at all. No quick passes, no yeah. screens, nothing to to kind of mitigate the pass rush. No extra blockers in there to help. But at the end of the day, Tom Savage is Tom Savage. <laughs> Yeah, you can only polish the third for so much, and it still ain't gonna get shot. <laughs> oh man, that must that must have been a hard game to watch for draft Twitter. To see Tom's, I Tom's like draft Twitter loved Tom Savage, and I it remember is. just like mercilessly dumping on trash on draft Twitter for their Tom Savage love. Well, you know how it is that the backup quarterback is always. The most always the savior team, especially when the starting quarterback is Brock Osweiler. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's true. So <laughs> I, I actually said before the game even started that I, I would have started Deshaun Watson. On second thought, I have rethought that, and I don't want Deshaun Watson to die, especially on his birthday. <laughs> yeah. So I probably wouldn't have. But at the same time, look, if you're gonna go with Tom Savage, go with him. Yeah. And let him take those lumps. What you should have done is, is signed a mobile quarterback in the offseason to take some of those that punishment this year. Yeah. So that Deshaun Watson can sit there and look. But you have zero chance to win with a guy back there who can't get away from the rush. Yeah. You just you just cannot. And so I mean, I, I don't know why draft Twitter was so high on Savage, but these days you just not. It's so few guys. Mobile mm-hmm. uh, as quarterback in this day and age, there's just too many. It's just too many good pass rushers out there, and, and, and too few good offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. If just if only there were a quarterback out there who could who could help some teams who need help at that position. But man, if, if only there was a guy. <laughs> if only who could there was somebody. A bad offensive line. Yeah, if, if only a guy who who just last year was was pretty good at getting away from the rush. On a terrible team with a terrible line, too. A hmm. guy who could, could has shown that he could adapt. He's, you know, been in several different offenses last the last few years. You know, but you know, those guys don't grow on trees. No, there's just there's nobody like that out there. Um, I, I, so I obviously I looked at the picks yesterday, and I mean I I put the post together, and I I, I get everyone's picks in and, and take a look at them. I let me tell you what surprised me the most about the picks this week only one person picked the Packers to beat Atlanta this week and I'm really like I picked Atlanta to win that game too but man I, I gotta tell you that's the one pick I'm just I'm not like I don't have a lot of confidence in it and I guess partly that's because Atlanta didn't look so great last week and now that could just be hey it's the first week of the season you know you're not gonna you, you just didn't it's just the it's just a little rust or whatever but like I don't know man I, I just don't know Well, you look at it from this perspective, to me, to me, the teams that Atlanta will struggle against are teams with, I won't say necessarily a really good defense overall, mm-hmm. but teams that can really pass rush, teams that can really get out to the quarterback yeah, and, and, and make Matt Ryan uncomfortable. The Chicago Bears are just, look, across the board, they get after you yeah. on their defensive line. And you don't have much much time to 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 look around and scan the field because if you do, the Falcons almost always have somebody open, yeah. somebody that can make things happen. And you see at the end of the game, Austin Hooper, who very few people probably even ever heard of, all of a sudden gets open on a play where Matt Ryan finally avoids the rush, and then you get the big long touchdown, mm-hmm. right? But if you have a team that can't get out to the passer that way, yeah. Well, then those kind of plays are going to happen way more often. 
and especially at home in that dome on the turf. Yeah. So uh, to me, when I when I pick the Falcons games, if I if I see a defense, I, I, the rest of the team matters. Don't get me wrong, but if I see a team and I see a defense where I think he can he can kind of get after them a little bit and they won't really make him uncomfortable. I'm always going to pick the Falcons, especially at home. Yeah. And so I, I and I have way a whole lot of respect for Aaron Rodgers. Don't get me wrong. And and they look real good against the Seahawks, but the yeah. Seahawks offensive line may as well not even exist. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, let, let's be real about that. Yeah. It might as well not even exist. Yeah. So it's a totally different situation to me, uh, especially since the Falcons defense is e- is even playing better. They're playing pretty good. They weren't perfect against the Bears, but they did plenty of good things too. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just it, it's hard for me to pick against Matt Ryan at home unless you have some kind of fantastic defense coming in there that's going to make Matt Ryan uncomfortable. And, and I do like the Packers defense isn't bad, but I just don't see the kind of front from the Packers is going to make Matt Ryan be running for his life. No, no. Is there so? Are there any picks like you know? Obviously, we change. We get. I got it. Which reminds me, I gotta let everyone give everyone a heads up tomorrow if they want to change a pick. Any? Is there any picks right now you're on the fence about that you made this week? Uh, let me think about it. <laughs> Sounds like Odell will be back for the Giants. Right, but even you know when guys come back. Speed health, yeah. Right, exactly. You just never know if, if they're going to – and especially when it's a lower leg, lower body injury. Mm-hmm. You, you figure somebody can fight through an arm injury or a shoulder injury or something like that. Mm-hmm. But when it's going to affect how fast you are, how mobile you are, whether you can cut, whether you can can get up and get the football the way that we're used to uh, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. being able to do, well, now that's a different story. Yeah. But at the very least, you'll figure teams have to account for him. They have to be worried that if if we don't cover this guy, he could really get off. Now, the thing that was actually surprising to me last week was in the absence of Odell Beckham Jr., Brandon Marshall didn't get a whole lot of, no. uh, of looks either. And I think that was a huge mistake on their part, Yeah, just to be honest with you. And, excuse me. So mm-hmm. I would expect them to kind of uh, remedy that this week. They would be smart to do so, I'll put it that way. So, I mean, what's the use of having Brandon Marshall on your team if you're not going to use him? Yeah. Big body guy can go down down the field and, and take the top off of defense. But if you never throw him the football, he's not a factor. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I mean, I I, I I don't really know what to make of the Giants right now. Uh, <laughs> they didn't look good at all against no, the Cowboys. No, no. But the Cowboys look outstanding to me. They, they look like a legit contender. For a change, so uh, you know they finally have a pass rush. Defense looked really good, so maybe they just ran up on a team that's really good. Um, who knows? But it doesn't bode well for them that they looked so poorly uh, against a team in their division. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. They weren't at full strength, obviously, like we said with Odell Beckham Jr. But I still expected a better effort. Than that. Now the Tonso game to me this week is probably the Dallas Broncos, the Dallas uh, Denver game, mm-hmm. uh, because both of those teams are one and zero. Dallas looked outstanding. The, the Broncos almost gave the game up at the end of the game, but I thought Simeon, Trevor Simeon, played better, much better than last year, much better than I expected even. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 they'll be at home. The Broncos will. Mm-hmm. So to me, this is one of those games we talked about last week with the Titans and the Raiders. Yeah. Both of those teams are kind of supposed to be contenders this year. Yeah. And, and we're going to see who is for real. And the Oakland Raiders went in there and shit, they went in there and hit the Titans in the mouth. They went beast mode on them. I mean, they really did. And beast mode, <laughs> I mean, out of all people, Jarrell Casey took that L and I, I was like that is so unfortunate because Jarrell Casey is such a good player but Beast Mode ran right through his face. Oh yeah. And so I mean they showed that they're for real. Well this is a game if, if, if people are supposed to believe in the Cowboys 
this is the kind of game they have to win. Go on the road, beat a very good team, a quality team, mm-hmm. in, in a hostile environment. We know the Broncos uh, stadium can get very loud. Yeah. So, uh, uh, to me, that's kind of a toss-up. Uh, and I'm not really sure who's going to win that game. No, that is a tough one to call. I, I have to agree with you. I think I picked Dallas. Let me look. I, I got it open here, but I picked. Da- I mean, almost everybody picked Dallas except for the computer and one person, one human, picked Denver to win that game. But I could see going. I, I tell you what impresses me about Dallas year after year, and the the job that now everyone that's listens to this podcast or has read your stuff before knows this but man i tell you what rod marinelli does a hell of a job co- coordinating that defense down there cuz that's not a, de- a defense that's ever had i mean the last few years i mean they have good players i'm not trying to say, suggest that but like it doesn't you know you don't have that von miller type caliber jj watt type caliber pass rusher leading the way or anything like that you don't have you know, an all world free safety or anything like that on the team. But man, it's just, it's, they're so consistent and they're so well coached as a defense and and they do all the little things right. And, and they're, they're just always better. I think than they even get credit and they get plenty of credit for it now, but like, I still think they're better than they even get credit for. Yeah. And, and, and the thing of it is, is that, uh, he, he, finds a way to get the best out of uh, talent that, 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 as you said, isn't elite. Yeah. And so when you finally give him some talent that's a little bit better, that's when he really can show you what he can do as a coordinator. I'm talking about Rod Marinelli, my yeah. old defensive line coach. He's such a smart guy, so he just, normally he's just teaching fundamentals, right? Being where you're supposed to be, trusting your teammates. And, and that's why it always they always look good. Even when, you know they couldn't rush the passer last year necessarily, but uh, they still found a way to win games because he found a way around that. Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't with blitzing. That, that's normally what people say. Mm-hmm. Well, if you can't rush the passer before, you have to blitz. He can find a way to win a football game on defense any kind of way that's necessary. Mm-hmm. But now he actually has a little bit of talent. And look, once he, some of these guys come off suspension, yeah. they're really going to be ready to go. But look, Demarcus Lawrence looked real good last, last week. Tyrone mm-hmm. Crawford looked pretty good. Some of these guys, young guys, you know, they got Taco Charlton in the first round, mm-hmm. uh, defensive end. And so they're getting a little bit better. Jalen Smith is playing now. And he, he's just – He's a guy that seems like he gets everybody cranked up because he's always flying around to the football. Yeah. And so you already had a guy like Sean Lee. Now you got a dynamic duo at linebacker right there. And I really, really, really like uh, Byron Jones still. I mean, that guy, Mm -hmm. he's developing into a guy whose name everybody's going to know pretty soon. And so it's a matter of he's finally got a little bit more talent in Dallas and so you can really see what he can do as a defense coordinator. Mm-hmm. And as they continue to add talent, as uh, 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 what's the kid, um, uh, David Irving, for instance, comes back off suspension, as Demontre Moore comes back off suspension, man, they're going to get just keep getting better mm-hmm. as the season goes on, provided that guys stay healthy. And that was what was missing, really, the last few years, but definitely last year because – Last year, we felt like that offense was good enough to go a little bit further in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But that defense, nobody really trusted it because you couldn't rush the pass. Well, now they can rush the pass. Mm-hmm. Now they got guys at, at linebacker who is really hard to block. Mm-hmm. And he's, again, he's got them fine-tuned. He's got them knowing where they're supposed to be. It's so rare that you look up and say, oh, well, look at this bus. You might be better than them. You might beat them. But they're not going to beat themselves. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing you can say about a Rod Marinelli coach defense. Yeah. It'd be interesting. It's going to be interesting to watch. I'm looking forward to that game. It's uh, week two. I mean, here we are, week two of the season already. It'll be October before you know it. And so I say uh, let's uh, – we'll, uh, I'm going to do one last check because let's see we have that uh, – Make sure there's no last-minute breaking news here. 
because sometimes that happens when we have these <laughs> record these podcasts. It probably be five minutes as soon as we hang up. Breaking news. <laughs> No, looks like it's just more back and forth legal briefs between the union and the the league over Elliot. So uh, we can sign off knowing that uh, something will happen later this afternoon, I'm sure. But we will have plenty to talk, just more to talk about next week. Sounds good to me. (laughs) 